CBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Thursday, March 2nd. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, a look at the surprise defeat of a bill aimed at stopping schools from talking about gender identity. Rioting in Georgia could soon result in felony charges, we'll explain. And Macon gets a glimpse of its past through the opening of a time capsule. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. An unexpected coalition of conservative groups and LGBTQ advocates has defeated a bill aimed at stopping teachers from talking to students about gender identity. The Republican-led State Senate Education and Youth Committee voted down the bill yesterday after hearing from advocates who said it was unfair to transgender children and from conservatives who objected to regulating private schools and camps. Mike Griffin, a lobbyist for the Georgia Southern Baptists, said he also had concerns about defining gender in state law. We believe that this has this bill has dramatic unintended consequences for parental rights and for children in public schools as well. And those concerns have not all been addressed. And so as it stands, we're concerned uh, with this bill, though we certainly share the motivation of the sponsors. Applause broke out in the room as the near unanimous vote left LGBTQ advocates stunned at their good fortune. The Georgia House passed two bills yesterday that target violent protesters. HB 505 would increase the charge for rioting from a misdemeanor to a felony. It passed 98 to 73 after debate. Republican Representative Mike Chokas of Americas is a sponsor of the bill. Our governor and our attorney general have made it clear that Georgia will provide no safe haven to rioters. This legislation puts that vision into state law and sends a signal to troublemakers throughout the country that they won't get a slap on the wrist if they come here and engage in rioting. Some Democrats raised concerns about the impact the bill could have on peaceful protesters. The House also passed HB 500. It would make setting ablaze a law enforcement vehicle punishable with 5 to 20 years in prison or a fine of up to $100,000. A Paulding County Sheriff's deputy accused of using excessive force on a Dallas, Georgia man last year has been fired. Attorneys for 30-year-old Tyler Canaris say their client was slammed to the ground about a year ago by Deputy Michael McMaster, who said Canaris fit the description of someone allegedly breaking into cars. A video of the incident appeared online last month, sparking public outcry. McMaster was then placed on desk duty. The Paulding County Sheriff's Office says McMaster was fired for, quote, policy violations from other incidents unrelated to Canaris. A spokesperson says the investigation into those policy violations began after the video surfaced. News of McMaster's firing comes as criminal charges against Canaris are pending. Canaris is accused of obstructing a law enforcement officer, but his attorneys are asking for those charges to be dropped. Two sheriff's deputies in Augusta, Richmond County have been fired and arrested after being caught on video punching and dragging a detainee at the county jail. Sheriff Richard Roundtree said yesterday that over the past year, six deputies have been arrested for excessive use of force and it won't be tolerated. And while we take no pride in locking up one of our own, we would not hesitate to do so if the situation warrants it. 
Deputies Gerardo Sanchez Jr. and Joshua Jackson have been charged with battery and violating their oath of office for assaulting inmate Alvin Yarbari Jr. on February 23rd. Roundtree says he's directed his senior staff to identify gaps in training or culture that might have contributed to this incident and the others before it. A new study warns the number of people at risk of developing encephalitis from an infection is growing, and that can lead to mental health problems. GPB's Ellen Eldridge has more. The study finds encephalitis can lead to suicidal thoughts and behaviors. This is observed often in people with symptoms of psychotic depression. Michelle Bravo-Cano, who did not participate in the study but had encephalitis, says inflammation in her brain drove her to self-destructive behavior and thoughts of suicide. I was starting to like depend on alcohol to even try to like sleep or like stop the headaches or something. On one occasion, I almost threw myself like off the third floor like room where I was. The study says suicidal behavior abated completely in all study participants after receiving immunotherapy. For GPB News, I'm Ellen Eldridge. Delta pilots have agreed to a new contract with hefty pay raises. The Airline Pilots Association said yesterday that 78% of the Atlanta-based airline's 15,000 pilots voted to support the deal. It calls for pay raises of 30% over four years. The vote comes amid a pilot shortage, especially at smaller airlines, and after Delta pilots voted to authorize a strike six months ago. Several notable Georgians plan to be in Selma, Alabama this weekend for the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday and a march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. GPB's Amanda Andrews reports the event has strong ties to Georgia. Civil rights leaders, including late Georgia Congressman John Lewis, led the first march over the bridge in 1965 to protest the killing of a civil rights activist who died at the hands of the Alabama police. This year, Georgians attending include Congresswoman Nakima Williams and Senator Raphael Warnock. Southern Christian Leadership Conference President Dr. Charles Steele Jr. says it's important to preserve history to educate future generations. And the young people have not been told because in public schools and other schools, private schools as well, even in some churches, they don't talk about what took place and how we got here. The first march ended after marchers were assaulted by police. National outrage over the incident led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act just three months later. For GPB News, I'm Amanda Andrews. A pair of time capsules containing over a century of history were opened in Macon this week. The capsules, one from 1916 and another from 1973, were left with instructions to the management of what is now Macon's largest hospital to open them both on February 28, 2023. Amanda McDaniel is an employee of the hospital today called the Atrium Health Navicent Medical Center. She was surprised to learn her mother, a former hospital photographer, had snuck in two of her baby pictures back in 1973. I grew up, you know, roaming those halls. I've seen it change quite a bit over the years, and it's grown quite a bit, too. <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's a great place to work. <laughs> it's a lot of family. McDaniel's photos were saved alongside newspaper clippings from what locals call the Great Snow of 73, when 16 inches fell on Macon. Atrium Health is putting together a new time capsule to inter this year. And after a lengthy search and voting period, last week the Atlanta Braves named their new stadium PA announcer, Kevin Krause. 
One of the finalists in that contest, and a fan favorite, has just been named as the new public address announcer for the Rome Braves. Larry Gardner, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Edersville Tigers, will be the new PA announcer at Advent Health Stadium in Rome. And that's a wrap on today's edition of Georgia Today. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to this podcast now. We'll be back with you tomorrow with the latest Georgia news. And if you've got feedback, please do let us know. You can email us at georgiatoday at gpb.org. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. That helps other people find us. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.